Welcome to this week's episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together, the podcast for entrepreneurs interested in fast growth and funding, powered by EHE Capital. So hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the EHE podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Elliot again today. So hi, Elliot. Third week running, is it? Yeah. Hi, Nigel. Yeah, hi. Are you, after you, are you after hosting one, do you think? I know. I think I've um, <laughs> been on one for a while now. It's three weeks on the yeah. show. That's it. You're like my permanent sidekick now. Mm-hmm. We've got a very special guest that you and I both know, Elliot. So I'm delighted to be joined by Ian Renshaw, who is from an organisation called IVA.org. So we'll go into that in a, in a minute. But hi, Ian. Nice of you to join us. Welcome. I'm delighted to have been invited. Thanks very much. I feel like I've been missing out. <laughs> yeah, now now you're in it. I, mean, I tell you, once you've got this, this one on your belt, you'll be wanting to do loads more podcasts. Everybody always says they're ne- never as bad as they think. Well, like the sound of my own voice, you're probably right. No, no, you'll be fine. So before we sort of go into a little bit more about your role and your organisation, Ian, I thought Elliot and I could just sort of set the scene today and talk a little bit about the content because it is a bit different. Obviously, we do talk very positively about fast growth and funding and and all the risks and rewards that come with fast growth. But obviously, it's not always a straightforward journey, is it? And with every journey comes a risk. And it, we felt that it was important to talk about when things perhaps don't go to plan and things do go wrong and, and acknowledge that that does happen for founders and just talk about what some of the options are. So with that in mind, I suppose, Elliot, if I hand over to you and then perhaps we can get Ian to talk a little bit more about, about his role and experience within that. Yeah, well, I kind of talked to you on what you said there, Nairi. We On the previous podcast, we very much talk mainly about the positive side of things and kind of the success stories and what you need to do to be successful throughout a business's journey. We specifically talk about fast growth and funding, but I think it's important to note that being an entrepreneur and entrepreneurship in general involves risks and it's generally accepted as a cost of opportunity and innovation. Most of our entrepreneurial listeners will probably relate to taking a variety of risks throughout their business journey in order to improve, affect change. Some examples of that, in particular in the early stages of the business when they're perhaps not well capitalized. And we have spoke on previous podcasts about entrepreneurs having skin in the game. So quite often this is in the form of, for example, entrepreneurs remortgaging the house to make a cash injection into the business, personally guaranteeing loans, foregoing salary, paying business expenses personally on on credit cards. So that obviously all involves a significant amount of risk on behalf of the founder, which in the event of things not being successful, not only do they lead to an impact on the business side of things, it also has an impact on the personal side of things, which is where I think we can probably bring Ian in to talk about how he got involved in the industry and some of the options that are available for entrepreneurs that do end up in that situation where they have got personal financial difficulties that have led on from the business side of things. Thanks, Elliot. So Ian, over to you in the first instance. Do you want to give us a little bit of background about your journey and your current role and organisation? Yeah, sure. Well, currently I am the MD of a social enterprise called IVA Org CIC, which is a not-for-profit insolvency practice that provides debt help and advice to anyone living in the UK that's experiencing or struggling with personal debt problems. And we particularly specialise in the provision of IVAs on a not-for-profit basis. IVAs are individual voluntary arrangements, and they are one of the options that we're going to be discussing a bit later on. Personally, I got involved in the industry quite a while ago because I come from an entrepreneurial background, certainly an entrepreneurial family, actually. And one of my brothers, about 20 years ago, got into financial difficulty. 
And he, through a process of discussions with some professionals at the time, entered into an individual voluntary arrangement and was able to avoid having to make himself bankrupt, which gave him a really good starting point to put down a, a new slate and make a fresh start. And this process fascinated me in how he managed to get from what was effectively a, a terribly dark place to a, a brand new position where he had a new opportunity to turn over a leaf and leave behind all of the damage that had been done by the, the debt associated with the business that had failed. And it led me to work within the debt industry almost immediately. I got involved straight away. And ever since that time, I've been helping people with financial difficulties. Well, thank you, Ian. And obviously, I know a little bit about IVA, but you're I think what's really important is you, you're very passionate about giving people the right information for them to make the right choice. And I know from the work that, that you and I have done together, you spend a lot of time advising people on all of the different options, don't you? And, and there are a huge amount of options available for, for people. That's very much the case, yeah, Mary. It is always the case that a person's individual circumstances will determine the best way for them to get out of trouble. And their personal circumstances could lead them down a path of maybe three different options in, in the main. And it's up to us as advisors to try and clearly understand where that person is within their environment so that we can help lead them to where they want to be. It's just like any any guide, really. Any guide needs to know where the person is to be able to take them to where they need to get. And that's what we do. But in financial terms, and we do it through consultation and investigation with them and discussions with them over what can be a lengthy process, just to make sure we get it right. Mm. It would save us from going down the wrong road. Well, thank you. And so, Elliot, obviously you talked a little bit earlier about financial risk that entrepreneurs go through. And we touched on what, what some of those could be, though obviously we can expand a little bit more. But I just wondered if you could talk to us about what sort of factors entrepreneurs have to consider when they're thinking about financial risk, particularly when, you know, starting out and they do want to grow the business, but that has to come at a price, doesn't it? Yeah, I think entrepreneurs, obviously, as we mentioned earlier, they, they push the boundaries while seeking success. But it's important to mention really that what I'm not talking about here is them being inherent risk takers. So, for example, what I'm not talking as a kind of comparison is going into the bookies and, and putting all of your money on, you know, a, a horse to win the race. What I'm talking about here is making calculated risks with weighing up the kind of risk reward balance, cost versus gain, weigh up the value with full facts available so that when you are taking risk, it's a calculated risk and you know what the upside is as well as the potential downside. So with knowing full facts, you can potentially mitigate against scenarios in a, in, in a downturn. For example, if you have personally guaranteed a loan, there's such things such as personal guarantee insurance that you can take out. Clearly there's you know a risk in even just by being a director of a limited company and a shareholder of a limited company, there's various insurance policies that you can take out there as well. So it's really considering the likelihood of failure and looking at how you can mitigate against that in certain circumstances. But I think we all need to acknowledge that sometimes, you know, no matter how much you try and mitigate against something and, and plan for the downside, sometimes things go wrong. And I think Ian can probably cover off, you know, some of the options that are available in the scenarios where things do go wrong and owners and or directors of a limited company are, are left in quite a severe indebted position on an individual basis, which is obviously separate from the company side of things. 
that's really interesting. I think before we jump into that with Ian, one thing that, that might just be worth touching on is what some of those things that could go wrong are. So obviously some of them are within your control. The business doesn't grow, the sales doesn't hit the sales plans as projected. But equally, it could be around things like suppliers going bust, things that you didn't foresee or late payments, that type of thing. So there's there's things that you, to a certain extent, do control, but there's other kind of external factors as well, isn't there? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Cash flow, you know, there's this deal saying, the common saying, cash is king. And, you know, quite often businesses do struggle, even though that they are profitable. So as the kind of thing that you, you touched on there, customer doesn't doesn't pay you when you think he's, he's going to pay you. And on the face of things, cash flow looks like it's going to be okay. But it's then the end of the month comes and salaries are due to employees. The cash isn't there to pay them. And that's when you do get some scenarios that a lot of entrepreneurs will relate to, such as paying business-related expenses on personally or on personal credit cards, etc. So clearly that's a personal debt. And then if that customer doesn't pay you for whatever reason, clearly you've still got the debt personally. So we kind of mentioned earlier the weighing up the risk-reward scenario. So in that kind of case, you'd kind of have to look at the credit worthiness of that customer. You know, have they been reliable payers in the past, what are the reasons for them not paying you on time, et cetera, so that you can actually weigh up the kind of risk-reward scenario. Well, you said cash is king, but in marketing content, probably in every other sector, something else is king, isn't it? I think the other thing that I feel really passionately about is around bad advice when people are starting out. So feeling the need to spend a huge amount of money on going through a branding process, for example, and particularly, and I only say that because obviously I work in marketing, so I do see it a lot. I had an entrepreneur the other week came to one of the sessions that we were running and he'd had this great idea, but felt really deflated because he'd been given some advice, which was terrible actually about how many, it was thousands of people he would need to onboard onto his platform before he could kind of get it live. And it's absolutely ridiculous because if you onboard thousands of suppliers you've got to have thousands of customers lined up you know and it's chicken and egg scenario and when we sort of talked through that he looked really relieved but he was very close to signing a deal with this agency that probably didn't mean any harm but I think maybe didn't really understand the nature of, of entrepreneurial startups and I think the other thing is you you pivot so often, don't you, in the entrepreneurial world that you don't want to spend, in, you probably can't afford to spend a huge amount of money on something that once you pivot has then become redundant. So there's a time and a place for that. And I think the other thing, obviously, we're talking about getting financial advice, but getting that sound advice all the way along the journey so that you are taking calculated risks, I suppose, and spending where you need to spend that's going to deliver value, but withholding some of that activity. It's very different to what's plotted in the textbooks, isn't it, around this is the linear process you go through when when starting up a business. Yeah, it's about bringing the right people around you, obviously trustworthy people, people that have been there and done it before and come recommended and obviously spending your cash wisely in the early stages of the business, you know, looking at what you're going to get back for what you spend. You know, what I'm not saying is you, is... The stuff that you've mentioned there is is valuable, clearly, but it's it's valuable at the right time within the business's journey. Yeah, bro. Thank you. So, Ian, over to you. Do you want to talk us through kind of some of the non-borrowing options that are available for people who are in a, a financial sticky situation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. And that's a very good expression, actually, non-borrowing option. You see, we're talking here specifically about the environment where the individuals concerned have really reached the end of their ability to control the outcome, where the debts that they have personally are overburdening to the point where they're perhaps not able to go and borrow any more money to consolidate or they've already exhausted their resources 
from equity or any other aspects or potential areas where they would have had control to bring in assets that they could sell and so on and so forth. So we're really down to the point now where somebody is up against the very real point of self-insolvency, personal insolvency. There are three options that come to my mind immediately. Bankruptcy is one, often referred to as the option of last resort, but actually not necessarily a bad solution. There's also individual voluntary arrangements, which I mentioned before, which my brother was, was able to use and a very effective solution. And then there's the informal option of a debt management plan. And each of these different solutions tries to achieve the same goal to help the person become debt-free without borrowing money or reaching out to borrow money from somewhere else. But they each take a very different path to getting to that point. And it's really important to, to understand clearly before you make your decision as to the impacts of those different options and how each of those paths vary. Because essentially, it isn't simply one solution fits all. Bankruptcy, I'll just go through the, the, the headline of what bankruptcy is, and then I'll discuss IBAs and how they sort of fit in. And then finally, we'll talk about debt management plans. So bankruptcy is a formal debt solution. It's enshrined in the 1986 Insolvency Act, blah, 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 updated in the mm -hmm. 2002 Enterprise Act. And it's really important that people understand that there are legal frameworks that determine what bankruptcy is and how it will be applied upon somebody who makes that application or petitions for their bankruptcy. In essence, it is an individual handing control over their financial affairs to the government or the official receiver's office, allowing another person, an official, to determine and evaluate their assets or any potential incomes that they may be able to recover to help return monies to their debt. But immediately they enter bankruptcy, they are no longer responsible for the burden of the debt. They hand over that weight to the government. And the government will then talk to creditors and tell them of the bankruptcy, which is really important because, of course, that means it's an immediate relief for most people that gets that point. Just to hand over the burden to somebody else can be an immense, valuable outcome. It does come with some downsides, obviously, because you hand over control to somebody else. You can't really dictate what assets you might want to protect or how certain certain aspects of your personal circumstances will be understood. So you have to enter into a dialogue with the official receiver to inform them of your circumstances and, and they will then determine the outcome for you. And it also comes with some legal restrictions, which for an entrepreneur can be quite important. For instance, you're not able to be a limited company director whilst you're bankrupt. That's one of the restrictions. And, and also reaching out for further credit, it might, seem, it might seem obvious, but you would have to notify anybody that you reached out for more than £500 in credit that you are an active bankrupt. There are other impactors as well, which will be more relevant to the individual and their circumstances. But I think those themselves are, are relatively important headliners. The, the IVA acts as an alternative to bankruptcy, and it was introduced as part of the 1986 Insolvency Act specifically for that purpose, because other than entrepreneurs, other professions are prohibited from going bankrupt. You know, police officers, high-level civil servants, bankers, people working in the finance industry and sector. A lot of industries have barriers to people becoming bankrupt without it bringing sanctions upon them. So IVAs were introduced to offer an alternative where an individual can propose to their creditors through a licensed insolvency practice, an alternative outcome than the one that they would get through bankruptcy, offering a more a stronger financial return to creditors than the bankruptcy would actually generate. So it's a bit like saying, don't make me bankrupt because 
if you make me bankrupt, you'll only be able to recover X. I'm offering you the opportunity to have X plus something else as well, but I want to retain a degree of control. And that's exactly what the RBA does, in my opinion. It gives somebody the opportunity to find a mutually beneficial agreement with their creditors where there is a benefit to them, perhaps maybe even protecting assets, perhaps maybe allowing them the opportunity to protect income, maybe maintain or continue to run a limited company while still being able to deal with their debts. And it gives a better financial return to creditors. So it actually has a mutually beneficial outcome. And then thirdly, there is the informal option of a debt management plan. This is a, a softer approach to creditors where perhaps there is a realistic opportunity that somebody will be able to repay their debt within a reasonable timescale where they can potentially put forward to their creditors a proposal, an informal proposal that enables them to repay what they can afford over as long as it takes for their full debt to be repaid. The issues, of course, with informal arrangements like this are that there are no terms and conditions to protect the individual. And so consequently, as a result of having no terms and conditions to protect them, they are then still open to interest being added to their debt and potentially um, legal action being taken against them for the recovery of the debt if the creditor simply refuses to accept the informal arrangement to be put forward. So these three different options will get you to that freedom. It literally will depend on the circumstances of the individual to determine whether or not or which of these ones is the best one to go with. Brill, thank you, Ian. Really useful and hopefully has made people realise there are a lot more. Everyone thinks you kind of jump straight to bankruptcy, don't they? But actually there are uh, other options depending on current situation. And just to clarify, I suppose when somebody would reach out to you, you would talk through their current situation, what they want, what's best for them, and then work out or advise which might be the best route to take. Very much so, Nari, yeah. And it is simply a matter of listening to the individual and trying to understand exactly what's going on. You know, we help a lot of sole traders sinking with the burden of their debt because the natural instinct is for them to, you know, continue to repay their creditors as the, the bills come around each month. And, you know, we're conditioned here in the UK to to repay our debts as a priority over our other personal costs. So any entrepreneur will recognise that sometimes they've had to make sacrifices in order to maintain their credit worthiness and keep up to speed with their creditors and, and making sure that the, the debts are paid. We often speak to sole traders, for instance, who are almost drawing out their full income to pay the debt that they owe on a regular basis. So, you know, upwards of a thousand pounds a month going straight on credit cards to support debt that has been spent propping up the business in lean times. And an IVA is an example in that scenario is really powerful because it gives them the opportunity to continue the tra training with the business and take care of that and reverse the burden back from having to pay the debts as a priority to putting themselves and their families first and allowing them the opportunity to control the debt for a fixed period of time. And the IBA does come with some very, very powerful terms and conditions, such as freezing interest, allowing the individual to, to be protected from legal action being taken against them, creditors having to forfeit the right to harass and, and phone call on a regular basis where somebody's focus might be on trying to run a business and the last thing they need is a phone that's continually ringing with somebody demanding money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these aspects are all really important. Well, thank you.
And I suppose finally, or, or one of the final points that we wanted to talk about today is obviously there are serious issues that are facing, but it doesn't mean the end, does it? It's not, it's not the end of their entrepreneurial journey and it's, it's not game over. And I know, Elliot, you have regularly kind of talked about different clients or people that you've worked with that, that have had to go down this route and then they've, they've started again and come out stronger for it. Yeah, I think there's very much a kind of negative stigma attached to a you know a lot of the solutions that we've discussed today, and obviously a kind of fear of failure to a certain degree. But I think a point we we really want to make is it's not the end of the road. Quite often, this is just the beginning for entrepreneurs, and if they can actually wipe the slate clean and learn from the mistakes that they've made, there's no reason why they can't be successful in the future. And I've worked with a, a number of entrepreneurs. One that springs to mind in particular that had a sound business. It was well established. It was growing. It was profitable, but it was experiencing cash flow difficulties. So the owner of the business decided to take out some unsecured debt specifically to buy additional stock, which was needed as the business was growing. There was, there was high levels of demand, but unfortunately there was then subsequently a downturn in the industry and he was left with a lot of obsolete and slow moving stock that was actually worth less than what he'd paid for it. But because of the risk that he'd taken, it ended up with the business not being able to pay the creditors as they fell due and it subsequently went into liquidation. Post this, he kind of naively found out that whilst the debt was appeared to be unsecure, there was actually personal guarantees on the debt, which got called in by the provider. So I had a phone call when he received the letter and clearly I picked the phone up to Ian to get some advice and Ian might be able to come in here now and explain how he he advised the client and implemented a solution which allowed him to kind of reset and and go again yeah we, we were fortunate because as it happened this particular client had amassed substantial amounts of money in debt and they had used pretty much all of their personal assets to keep up to speed and they'd made sacrifices up to that point but they were really exasperated and 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 it was a very clear opportunity to come to an agreement with the creditors because they they weren't going to be able to exercise any leverage over him with bankruptcy because it basically he had very little to give. What he did have, fortunately for him, was some part of his extended family that had means that were available to him. So we were able to use third party funds and negotiate a settlement for all of his unsecured debt, not just his personal guarantees, but also his credit cards and loans that he'd accrued looking after his family's growing family. And, and consequently, he was able to enter into a full and final settlement IVA, a very powerful solution, acts like a smart bomb, literally strategically takes out the debt and virtually leaves everything else as he would want it to have been. He then was in a perfect scenario where he was able to draw a line under the whole saga. I understand that he then went on within the same industry with very much with the same sort of contacts and knowledge that he got, just like Elliot said, used his negative experience to build his new business and has been extremely successful since. Brilliant. Thank you. And I suppose based on that example that you've given, the answer to the next question probably becomes really obvious, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So what advice would you give to anyone who's currently running a business and worried about their current financial situation? I think during, during the journey, there's going to be lots Lots of ups and downs, positives and negatives. I think upon each thing, it's important to kind of research, reflect, evaluate and learn. But when it comes to a, you know, a point in time where it just appears that you, you've got no way out, I'd say seek, seek professional advice from you know, those within the industry, ideally those within the kind of social enterprise elements of, of the industry that operate on a non, 
you know, a non-commercial basis. I've worked with Ian and Ivory Org for well over a decade now. We've worked together quite closely on a, a number of entrepreneurial clients that have got themselves into difficulties and kind of nine times out of 10, we've been able to help them with a, with a solution which has allowed them to rebuild both their lives and the businesses. Thank you, Elliot. Ian, anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I think I probably would. I would say, yes, seek professional advice, but try to keep away from commission-led advice. My experience tells me that if somebody is rewarded financially to provide you with a specific product, irrespective of whether that product is in your best interest, they're going to suggest that product to you. And therefore, like Elliot said, try and seek out some not-for-profit or some professional, ethical-minded company to help you. Listen to the people that you talk to. Don't take it for granted because you are vulnerable. Remember that you are in a vulnerable position and you must keep your guard up. Listen to the advice that you're given and use your instincts to tell you what's the right way forward. You, you won't get it wrong. If it's the right advice, it'll be right. It'll be honest right. Brilliant. Thank you. That was really useful and a really different topic, but really important as for people in their entrepreneurial journey. So we'll pop links into the description box of the Frivia Org's website and ways to contact you. If anybody is obviously struggling or worried about advice, then, you know, please do act on the the advice that we've given in the podcast today and, and get in touch with the, the right people. I think that's really important point that you made around, you know, not going to somebody that's going to be paid on a lead basis because they're going to end up selling you or advising you of a product that's not in your best interest. And and this is about acting in, in the entrepreneur's own best interest, isn't it? So thanks very much, both of you, for joining me today. Hopefully it wasn't too bad, Ian, for your first podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, we'll get you get you back. And Elliot, now you're on the I was gonna say on the sofa this morning, isn't it? Now you're on the Zoom link every week. We'll probably see you in a week or two's time, do you think? Hopefully. Yeah. I'm sure you've hopefully got a new topic for me. Yeah, of course I have. Got loads. Right, thank you both. That was really good. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Extraordinary Entrepreneurs Together. Visit the EHE Capital website ehe.capital for further insights and to join the EHE community.